creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm an illustrator for clients like Xbox, Lego, and the New York Times. And I make this show because as someone who is a creator and has ADHD, I know from personal experience that for some people, having a thriving creative practice isn't just a nice to have, but a must in terms of your sanity or even in terms of your career. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of times in my creative journey, when I'm not making progress, it's not that I'm lost. It's not that I don't have any good ideas. It's that I have too many ideas and I don't know which of them are good or which of them I should choose. It's not that I can't come up with an idea for a new book. It's that I have 15 ideas and I just don't know which one to invest in. And in today's episode, I want to share a mindset that has helped me see those moments not as something to run from, but that they are the opportunity for your biggest creative breakthrough if you can recognize the opportunity for what it really is. So if that's you, if you've been stuck with indecision, not really making any progress, not because you don't have ideas, but because you have too many, this episode is for you. And if you stick around to the very end, I'm going to share something that I am calling a dry bones collage that has been the backbone of my creative practice over the past decade plus. It'll help you see these moments of indecision or analysis paralysis, not as something to avoid, but as something that can be the secret to your creative sauce, to your biggest creative breakthroughs. Let's do it. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. So in my creative journey, the way that I've started to use this ability to see infinite potential and infinite options as a superpower instead of as something that stops me in my tracks is step one is realizing that pre-existing roads. And uh, I'll explain what I mean by that. So Whenever I'm going along, there's a lot of times when I get to a point where I'm like, I really want to make a book and I just get caught up, not because I don't have ideas for a book, but because I have 15 ideas for a book. And I picture myself kind of driving along there, checking in with my inner self, with my subconscious, my my deeper uh, sense of self, trying to figure out like which of these is the right path to choose. And I try to Marie Kondo it and just be like, okay, which of these paths spark joy? And I'm like, all right, number one, what about this? I'm like, yep, sparks joy. Number two, what about this? Yep, that sparks as much joy, maybe a little bit more. And then three, the same. They're all sparking joy. I want to do all of them. And so being the good adult that I'm trying to be, the responsible father and and human and citizen, I pull the car to the side of the road and I'm like, all right, if you can't pick a lane, we're not going nowhere, mister. Uh, you, You can't have your cake and eat it too. And I think it makes sense because we have this idea of picking a lane drilled into our heads all the way back, I can remember the guidance counselor just, you know, being like, all right, which one are you going to choose? And I remember people, teachers at art school being like, look, you've got to have a, a condensed focused portfolio that tells people this is what you do. Which lane are you going to pick? Is it going to be editorial illustration or kids book illustration or, you know, which one is going to be the path? And yet when I check in with the deeper intuitive side that steers me into places I actually want to go, I ask that self which direction to take and they just say yes. And I'm like, that does not help me until I started to realize that those moments of hitting a fork in the road, it's not the job of the creator to fork left or fork right. It's the job of the creator to shovel middle because being creative isn't about picking a lane. It's about creating your own path. It's about taking a shovel and digging out the median between those two highways and creating a super highway. In theory, this idea of creating your own path and not having to pick a lane initially hits me and it sounds amazing. It feels like liberation, right? 
But as I have gone out and tried to do it, all of a sudden it just feels a lot messier and a lot scarier than I initially thought it would. And I end up back in my car at the side of the road giving up because I feel like I'm just not that creative to be the kind of person that blazes their own path. Like I'm not a creative super genius, but hear me out in what I'm saying, because I'm not saying that you need to be a super genius. I'm not saying that you need to create your own path from scratch. I'm talking about taking pre-existing paths and building off them, building in between them, merging them, combining them, adding your own experiences to them. For me, I feel like it's not only important to hold intention these multiple paths that I want to take, but also hold intention the fact that being creative and, and being innovative is as glorious and epic and exciting as those really epic quotes that you hear about art. You know, I saw I was doing career day at my daughter's middle school the other day and they had this Van Gogh poster and a quote that he supposedly said, which was paintings have a life of their own that derives from the painter's soul. And I thought I both completely agree with that and completely disagree with it at the same time. I'm going to take both of those paths in tension. I'm going to dig out the median of the idea that a painting has its own soul and it's probably partially covered in Cheeto dust because creators are weird little gremlins. Like a painting has its own soul, but it also has you know, bits and pieces of other people's souls and influences that were accidental or on purpose, or that it, it also has mistakes and mess and bits in that painting that you covered up because they were complete dumpster fire that you had to cover up and redo. Like, yes, creativity has this beauty and depth and epic quality, but it also has this hodgepodge duct tape, making it up as you go, charting your own path, breaking things, quality that comes from not just super geniuses, but just people trying things. And so if the idea of making your own path, charting your own path, doing both and sounds really attractive, but also scary, stay tuned because I want to talk about what it looks like to really do this in real life, not in some, uh, you know, other dimension where everything is perfect and epic. So when I get stuck and I don't know which path to take, the second thing that helps me get moving again is embracing the idea that dancing to my own tune is partially about dancing to 10 other people's tunes all at the same time. 
And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I don't know if you've ever heard this band, Girl Talk. Greg Gillis, he used to do this project called Girl Talk where he smashes a little smashing pumpkins into a little outcast and a little Avril Lavigne, a little bit of Steely Dan all at the same time and makes this huge cosmic gumbo. And the first time you hear it, it's kind of chaotic. It's insane. You're hearing all these familiar things and these things maybe you haven't heard and stuff that you hate and stuff that you like, but it's all putting them together into one song and one album. And it's just kind of nuts. But over time, the more that I have studied my creative heroes and understand a little bit more of what it takes to make a creative practice and kind of understand how the sausage is made, I've started to feel like all albums are in a way a little bit like a girl talk song or a girl talk album that all albums are a smashing together of a bunch of different influences and tastes and, and digging out the middles, the medians between their heroes, favorite works because if you find yourself at a crossroads where you're like, I don't know if I should make a kind of hacky rip off of the sci-fi stories that I love, or should I make a samurai movie? You decide to make Star Wars. Like that's what Star Wars is. There's this clip that took off online that I came across from this author, John Pargin or Pargin. I don't know which one it is. I've never heard it said, but I'm going to go with Pargin. Because that's I lo- that sounds more fun to say. John Pargan uh, was talking about how a lot of people don't realize that Star Wars is kind of a ripoff of Flash Gordon, but Flash Gordon is kind of a ripoff of Buck Rogers, and Buck Rogers is kind of a ripoff of this thing called Prince of Princess of Mars that tanked, and after that guy wrote that, he just quit writing forever because it was so poorly received. And you can just quickly search up Darth Vader and then search up samurai armor. And you're going to see like this stuff is a bunch of pieces. This movie that changed culture was a girl talk album. And it doesn't take a lot of work to find giant collections of how everything is a remix A few months ago, we had Kirby Ferguson, the documentarian, is that what you call call him? Documentarian, who made the uh, web series Everything is a Remix that kind of goes through. He even dives deep into all the pieces that make up Star Wars. And he goes into the the game-changing bands that were a collection and a combination of everything that came before them. And you can go search out things like Michael Jackson, The Little Prince. Type that into YouTube and you're going to find the movie version of the book, The Little Prince. There's a character in that where Michael Jackson got like 85% of his moves. And it's easy as a consumer or as a wannabe creator to go out into the world and see these amazing genius innovative creators blazing their own trails and just thinking they're pulling these things out of the ether when really they're almost all not starting from scratch but building on the paths of their heroes and digging out the median there are just treasure troves online that have dedicated themselves to 
showing how the sausage gets made, how the creative paths are built off of paths that came before them. I'm grateful for people like Maria Popova, who creates the the web series, The Marginalian, formerly known as Brain Pickings. She's done a ton of work around this idea of combinatorial creativity, this notion that creativity, most things that we think of as creative are really just combinatorial. They're just combining pre-existing things into something new. And she has this great article on there that's all about these letters that Mark Twain sent to Helen Keller, who was getting discouraged about uh, their work and feeling like they weren't contributing anything original is how I kind of understood it. And uh, this is a quote from Mark Twain, the celebrated creator, the guy who has a whole award show based on the Mark Twain award for original creators like Mark Twain. And he said, the Colonel, the soul you know, the, the soul of a painting, as Van Gogh was saying, the soul, uh, uh, the substance, the bulk of the actual and valuable material of all human utterances is plagiarism. These object lessons should teach us that 99 parts of all things that proceed from the intellect are plagiarisms, pure and simple, and that lesson ought to make us modest. And I don't think it should just make us modest. I think it should make us feel capable as humans to go out and try new things and dig up the medians between our favorite things and create these paths that are just ours. And I'm not going to waste your time by creating another resource of these catalogs. I'll just say, go check out Everything is a Remix on YouTube. You can pick up Steal Like an Artist from Austin Kleon. You can check out Maria Popova's work on this idea of combinatorial creativity. There's just, go look at any interview with David Bowie and how he talked about how he doesn't even feel like a music super fan. He doesn't feel like a music super genius. He just has a sense and a taste of what he likes, and he combines those things with his own personal experience, and voila, you have some creative stuff. Now, just a digression. This episode is about how I have come to see everything as girl talk, everything as a remix, However, I just want to highlight that in next episode, I want to talk about how those pieces are all kind of just your dry bones. They're all things that you're digging up from the past and building on. But if you want your creative practice to come to life, you're going to have to add your life to it. You're going to have to add your own deeply held experiences and beliefs and encounters to make something that really matters not just to other people, but to you. And I think one of the reasons why this notion hasn't fully caught on and saturated the culture is because it's a dangerous idea. If you're not willing to hold this idea in tension with the idea that you also have to add your own mistakes and life experiences and perspectives and, you know, blood, sweat and tears into the thing, if you, if you don't hold those two things in tension. There are people that will take this idea and run with it and try to rip other people off for a quick buck and make the excuse that that's what everybody else is doing anyway. And so I just wanted to highlight that because I don't want to 
create something that's giving the permission to people to just haphazardly rip people off for their own gain without the love and intention and intention of also putting in the work to dig up those spaces in between and find meaningful connections both of other people's work but also to how it connects to you and that's exactly what we're going to talk about next how you don't just end up with a collection of other people's stuff but you use that collection not to create your portfolio but to find the connection between those things and start to find your own voice So getting unstuck for me when I feel like there's a million different options, a million different ways to do stuff, and I just can't figure out how to move forward. The third step is after collecting, connecting. The name of the game is collect, connect. It's not enough to just collect a bunch of stuff that you love and smash them together and just play all those songs at the same time. That's not what Greg Gillis in Girl Talk is doing. They're not just collecting and making a playlist. They're figuring out how do these things connect? Like where are the BPMs that match up? Where are the melodies that match up? How could these things form a coherent narrative that also is informed by something that I have to add and say to it? And, and, and maybe that's a critique of the previous work, or maybe it's just uh, an update, or maybe it's saying something that's totally unique to your own experience and the ideas that you bring to the table and think up. So how does this collection become more than just curating? How does it become not just collecting a bunch of stuff, but transform into something that is truly creative and truly yours. Well, I think it comes from the next piece of that is connecting the dots between these collected items. So we've been doing a self-excavation series. A lot of us think of art as self-expression, but it's as much self-expression as it is self-excavation. Your creative pursuit, your pencil as an illustrator, your guitar as a, a musician, those aren't your passions. Those are your tools for digging into yourself and to the topics that interest you. And they can be the tools you use to ask questions, not just deliver answers to other people. And so we have been doing a series. This is the third episode in that self-excavation series. And the first episode, we talked about how creativity, the creative path is kind of upside down and backwards. Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs is great for just a regular human. We're just normal men. Who needs to take care of their physical self. They need to then take care of their social self. And then they need to take care of finding who they are. That being a creator is almost the opposite of that. That you have to start with finding who you are before you find your people and find your scene 
seen and then eventually meet some of your needs potentially through the creative work that you're making as you connect to super fans. It's a completely upside down approach to the path. And so that episode we talked about, okay, so we set the table for this series is about that first piece, finding the self, developing, cultivating a sense of self that you can create from and using your work as the tool to do that actively, not just navel gazing, not just sitting in a room asking yourself, who am I, but making work, actually putting pencil to the page and creating something that helps you actively move forward with the creative stuff that you're doing. And the second episode, episode 411, we talked about digging into the things that interest you by collecting psychically charged images, basically creating a Pinterest board, a folder on your desktop, a playlist of all of the stuff that just took you to another world that just changed who you were, that were core memories when you encountered these things and you collected them into one place. If you want to dive deeper into that, go back to 411 or 410 to start from the beginning. But after you have a collection, if you've collected some stuff that is supercharged from throughout your life, both when you were young and now that you're super old, <laughs> everything in between, create a Pinterest board or create a collection of those things, but don't stop there. The next thing you need to do in your creative call to adventure today is to make a dry bones collage. So this show is called Creative Pep Talk, but we always want to do more than talk creative stuff. We actually want to get creative. We want to do things. We want to take action. So every week, I don't just give you an idea that makes you feel like excited and inspired. We want to give you an idea that you can put to practice instantly, quickly, and really move a few steps forward in your creative journey. So this week, we're going to talk about making a dry bones collage. What does that mean? What is a dry bones collage? It means taking that collection and pushing the boundaries, erasing the boundaries, digging up the median by collaging these things together. Don't just leave them on the Pinterest board. Don't just leave them in that folder. Don't just leave them on the playlist. Actually erase the boundaries between them and find connecting points, connective tissue, because in those connecting points, you're going to start seeing, connecting the dots, you're going to start seeing the bigger picture of who you are and why those things are so attractive to you. At least that's what happens to me whenever I do this. And I do this as a pretty regular practice. Recently, the way that that's worked is I will go through, I've made it a practice to collect as I go now. So if I find something that really just lights me up, I'm going to save it to my liked songs on Spotify. I'm going to instantly save it to a Pinterest board. That's just an ongoing collection that is um, just something I can do in the moment without overthinking it or needing to categorize it. But when I start to feel like I don't know what my next moves are, one of the things I'll do is I'll go to that collection, I'll filter through and save out some of my favorite things, and they can be from anything. They can be other mediums, they can be old stuff, they can be new stuff. Like one of the things that's been just blowing me away recently is there were these magazine covers of 
this video game magazine from back in the day that are all made out of polymer clay. And I'm like, man, it looks kind of like 3D art that that's happening now, but it also has this tactile quality and it's all chunky and round and smooth, like all the style that, uh, that I do. And, um, you know, I'll be collecting stuff like that and I'll save them to my phone. And then with an iPhone, it has this feature where you can select a character or select something in a picture or a person in an image. And it will, if you hold it, it'll erase the background and you can click share and you can click save photo and it'll, it will extract that from the background and create this PNG that is just this floating thing. And then I'll do that to all the pieces and then I'll go into Instagram and I'll open a story that I don't necessarily intend to post and I will start selecting those images from my phone and I will create a collage that mashes all these things together and I'll try to find ways of doing it where they really do fit together as a piece of work. And what this does is it starts to tell you the common patterns and the symbols and the deeper things underneath the surface of this work that will help you figure out why you're drawn to them. When I did this, the first time I did this in my own work was a huge breakthrough for my own creative practice. I was stuck creatively. I felt like all of my works were just kind of following trends and I created this collection of stuff. I collected everything that ever just deeply resonated with me on a soul level. And I collected things like Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz and Zelda Link to the Past and Fraggle Rock. And it was, and, and even Alexander Gerard and Paul Rand and all these different people and all these different properties and all these things that I encountered that just blew me away. And they seemed like a bunch of very, very different things. But as I started to create a collage of these things, I realized first the obvious thing that a lot of these were what were called hero's journeys. I'd kind of at that time, this was probably 2010, 2011, I'd heard of the idea of the hero's journey, but I didn't really know what it was all about. And I, I knew like I think all of these characters, Harry Potter, Neo from The Matrix, all this stuff that I'm just obsessed with, it's this hero archetype. And that's when I started diving into that world. But it wasn't until I started erasing the boundaries of these things and actually looking at them next to each other, I realized like Alice in Wonderland and Fraggle Rock and Zelda Link to the Past, they all have these like little portals, these little moments where there's a hole in the wall or there's a hole in the ground. There's a hole in this dimension leading to an other dimension, a hidden dimension. And I realized like, oh, there's this other symbol. There's other archetype, this thing that comes up over and over in stories and cultures of this hidden world that I am obsessed with. And it was one of the first breakthroughs that led to the body of work that I did that became my new picture book, Invisible Things. It comes out in July. And the whole idea of Invisible Things is playing off the archetype, the symbol, the repeating symbol that has been a story that's been told in probably all cultures of all times that there are hidden dimensions. And of course there are. 
There, it's it's a fact. You don't even have to believe in parallel universes to believe it because there are dimensions like smell and sound that are hidden from your eyes. And then beyond that, there are things like dark matter and and gravity and God knows what we haven't even discovered. Like there's just deep mystery to the unknown, to the unseen. And back in 2011, doing these collages, erasing the boundaries and digging into the medians of these creative highways are the things that led to the breakthroughs that created those characters and those ideas and ultimately led to this picture book that I co-created with my wife, Sophie Miller. And this whole self-excavation series is me excavating the things that I learned that led to this project and this book that is one of the things I'm most creatively proud of and have become kind of the cornerstone of my own creative practice. More than anything, I hope that the trope of the creative journey as seeing your practice and the work you make as this journey that is an adventure that means it's both challenging and rewarding. I think more than anything, my hope is that each and every week, this show would just be a reminder that the challenge is not just part of the process, but one of the most beautiful aspects of making creative work. One of the things that shows up over and over again in this show is this notion that booby traps are a good thing because booby traps mean that there's still treasure. If all the booby traps have been set off, it means someone's already gone through there and the treasure's probably gone. If the road is paved, it means that there's already lots and lots of people going that way and it's not a direction that you really want to take. And the reason why each and every week I show up and tell stories and explore new ideas, most of them go back to the notion of this mindset that challenges are something to lean into. And the reason why isn't because I've got it figured out is because that's how much focus and, and rumination and meditating on this idea that I need in my own practice, because there's something about being a creator for me. That means when I hit a booby trap, when I hit a brick wall, when I hit a problem, my nature is to feel like I must have gone the wrong way. And I need these shifts in mindset to remember that these problems are the purpose of this journey. You know, for me personally, my biggest personal breakthrough as someone with ADHD, someone who just worst nightmare would be a boring existence. And I kid you not, like I ever since I was little, just so 
anxious about getting caught in really boring circumstances. And my worst nightmare was being in a profession where nine to five every single day I had to go to a place and do stuff that was mind numbing and boring. Like that was the worst case scenario. And I ran from that with all of my energy. And I had to see that ultimately there isn't a scarcity of stimulation that I didn't need to be afraid of being put into boring circumstances because even if externally I find myself in a place that is scarce of stimulation, that is truly boring, that inside of myself there is always another problem to solve that inside of myself, there is an infinite well of stimulation and it's called problem solving. It's called playing with the problem. It's called working on the next thing. It's called leaning into the challenges. And I've realized that these moments when I find myself stuck or at a crossroads or not able to see which path to take, that If I can remember that the booby traps are the things that I'm looking for, that the challenges are the reason I enjoy this path, that it's the reason that it's stimulating is that it's the secret to having the the life that I want, that being creative is about a, a life of not living in such a boring way where I always know the answer. Being creative is about not knowing the next answer. It's about being excited that there's another problem to solve. And shifts in mindset, like the one that we explored today, in knowing that these forks in the road are when you need to get out your shovel, your big spoon. Don't be like Spoonless Joe. (laughs) metaphorically, um, instead of take forking left or forking right. If I can embrace that and, and ingrain that into my mind that I can really see that these moments are the biggest opportunity I have to innovate and create. And I think as a culture, we're so uncomfortable with the in-between spaces. And it makes me think of some of my favorite films are from uh, Hayao Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli films. And he was asked about these moments of in-between that are throughout all of these movies. There's these times where they're deep within the problem and the tension is building and they decide to cut to a moment where the, 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 the characters are sat patiently sitting in the tension on a train doing nothing with just minimal movement in the animation and that it's these contrasts of the in-between of the nearly barely moving moments that the whole thing comes together and he calls these moments he says that in Japan they call these in-between moments the the ma of life and it's my hope with this episode that you will 
highlight those moments as something not to speed through, not to jump to the conclusion, to the quickest path to solving the problem, but rather be comfortable with the in-between, comfortable with hanging out in the median, comfortable in the liminal spaces, the places that you're not supposed to hang out in. Maybe I have to find my own inspiration. Sometimes it's not easy. Because those are the spaces where really interesting, creative things happen. This episode was brought to you by the invisible thing, weirdness. It's going to get weird. In that median where you're not supposed to be in those liminal spaces, it gets weird. And so we, uh, we recognize and we celebrate the invisible thing, weirdness, because it's all part of the creative journey. So thanks, weirdness. Invisible Things, the picture book, is coming out July 18th, 2023. You can go pre-order the book at invisiblethings.co. If you do that... Anywhere you want, if you submit the receipt on that website to the publisher, they are doing a super generous, very exciting pre-order incentive, which is a 16 by 20 Invisible Things poster that is brand new, features uh, characters from the book that haven't been on previous versions of the posters. All the characters are updated versions uh, in in the way that they appear in the book. Pre-orders really, really, really matter. And we are really grateful to everybody that has already pre-ordered the book. Uh, Go check it out. It is the culmination of collections and connections of both me and my wife, Sophie Miller. And it is our dream that this book is in the collections and connections of future artists. And so far, the few kids that we've seen able to engage with this book and with the property, they instantly want to not just consume it, but participate with it and create their own invisible things. And it's just been incredible to see that happen in real time. So go get the book. Really appreciate it. Um, And you can kind of also see an example of how all of these threads came together for me. This project has been in the works for well over a decade actually and um, you know it's just a picture book but I'm really proud of it and I'm excited for you to see it massive thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing the show and for sound design Thanks to Ryan Appleton, Katie Chandler, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all sorts and kinds. And thanks to you for listening to this episode. Until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.